0: This missile launch, the tenth of its kind, did more than bring out the usual condemnation by Washington and its allies, including Australia, of the North Korean state and its leader Kim Jong-un. Because of its high trajectory and distance travel, it set scientists debating whether Pyongyang had made technological advances given the test missile demonstrated increased range and flew as high as 2,000 kilometres. The test coincided with a global summit of world leaders in Beijing on President Xi Jinping's prize project, One Belt, One Road, linking central China with Europe. From the White House, President Trump repeated his call for more active Chinese intervention against North Korea, while noting that the missile had eventually come down very close to Russia. This said Trump would not please Vladimir Putin attending Xi's summit. It certainly didn't. The question now for policy analysts is what impact it will have on President Moon, now installed in Seoul's Blue House, having taken over from the hard-lined Park kun now in jail awaiting her impeachment trial. And North Korea says it's about to carry out another nuclear test. And, in an aside last week, he wound up Australia by suggesting that one of its prime targets – could be the Northern Territory capital of Darwin. Moon has said he is prepared to break with previous policy to go to North Korea for talks under certain circumstances. That's not likely in the short term. North Korea's young dictator Kim Jong-un wants to talk to Washington, not Seoul. The US is a nuclear power and he sees himself as soon joining the nuclear club. And we know that there have been recent back channel discussions between North Korea and US representatives in Norway. Will the United States take the kind of preemptive military action hinted at by President Donald Trump? Even more unlikely. Of course, the US could seriously damage Kim's nuclear arms program at a huge price. That price would be a devastating North Korean artillery attack on Seoul, not only killing tens of thousands of civilians, but crippling its economic heart. What about pre-unification talks, then? Those South Koreans who favour reunification mostly do so because of the business potential of a bigger market for their products and cheap labour. Opinion polls suggest young Koreans are much less enthusiastic but you have to take into account the influence of other actors, China, Japan, Russia and the United States. At a big multinational reunification conference I attended in Seoul, it was clear that whatever they say in public, neither Beijing, Tokyo, Moscow or even Washington have much enthusiasm for the idea. The Russians and Chinese have significant borders with North Korea, and both fear reunification could lead to US troops on their very doorstep. Vladimir Putin has the same aversion to an American presence to his east as he does about NATO to the west. The Chinese fear that should North Korea's economy collapse, they'll have a huge refugee problem. Tokyo has a different perspective. South Korea is already a formidable, in some ways more nimble, competitor. Successful reunification could create an even more dynamic economy in North Asia. So, what should we realistically expect of President Moon? He's a former human rights lawyer from the opposition Democratic Party, elected on 48% of the vote. He needs to improve the economy, but foreign policy is what has his attention now, where he's caught between the two most influential powers, China and the United States. He's expected to focus more on China than the US. Last week I had the opportunity to chat with Professor jae Chun Kim, a political scientist in the Graduate School of International Studies at Sogang University. He sees some sense in a modest detachment policy from Washington, but is convinced both China and the West must keep up the sanctions pressure on Kim Jong-un. The objective, he says, must be to declare all of Korea free of nuclear weapons. As to progress, to reunification, he agrees nothing will happen quickly. And it's only something that really can be realistically settled between the two Koreas over time. It's best to start slowly, he says, with sporting ties, tourism exchanges and so on, building trust What all this boils down to is that the settlement of the Korean question is likely to take many years and bluster from both sides is not going to produce a solution, only more scary headlines.